Welcome to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a stimulating discussion of news and humor from a Jewish perspective. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Rabbi Mendy. Good morning, Shavua Tov, Agutavach. Thank you so much for joining us on this Sunday morning schmooze. It's always nice to get together with you. I apologize for the delayed start that we had this morning. It was beyond my control as our computers were uh, playing up with us. Anyway... A big shout out to my mother, who celebrated her birthday yesterday on Shabbos. May she be granted a Shna Satzlach a year success with Lange Gzunte Freilich Yarin. Long, healthy, happy years together with the entire family. Today is also. Uh, today, the 27th day. Okay, let's go back on this. Yesterday was the 26th day of the Hebrew month of Sivan, which was my mother's birthday. Today is the 27th day of Sivan, which is my grandmother's yard site. My father's mother, her name was Sarah. She passed away about uh, 15 years ago. Very amazing woman, a courageous woman. And that's why in the email I sent earlier, it has a, a link to a story about her when she was a young girl fighting the communists uh, in Russia. May her soul uh, have an aliyah, have an ascent up on high, and be a good to better, beseech and ask and demand for all that her family needs, and most importantly demand that we have the revelation of Mashiach now, and she'll be back here with us uh, very, very soon. And finally, this week is loaded with amazing days. On Monday, or tonight, starting tonight and tomorrow, the 28th day of Sivan marks 81 years since the Rebbe came to America together with the Rebetzin and began a whole new idea of spreading Yiddishkeit in the land of the free. Let's begin today with the Shema, some coins for tzedakah and a bracha on a drink. So if you have a yarmulke, please put it on your head. 
Cover your eyes with your right hand and let's say together. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuso Le'olam Va'ed And if you have a uh, coin or coins, please grab your pushka. I have my beautiful Chabad of Mansfield pushka sitting here on my desk. So put a coin in the pushka. And then if you have a drink, please lift up your cup. And let's say the bracha together. Baruch Ata Adenoi. Eloheinu, Melech Ha'olam, Shehakol, Nihia, Bidvaro. As you know, we're preparing for an amazing trip to Israel. We didn't talk a lot about it yet because our, our website wasn't completely up yet and the, the registration wasn't working. But now that it's all up, we're going to talk about it. So before we talk about it, I think it's important that we start with Benny Friedman's brand new song called Yama. Yama means in the West. And, and Israel is referred to oftentimes as the West. One of the most famous places we go in the land of Israel is the Western Wall. So this song is, is, is a play, of, well, the same words as the song we sing, Ufaratzta. You know the song we sing? Uh, uh, oftentimes at Chabad, Ufa Ratzta, Ufa Ratzta, Ufa Ratzta, right? Yama Vakedma, Tzafona Vanegba. So this is a, a song with similar words and it talks about the land of Israel. Please enjoy the song and then we'll talk about our amazing trip coming up, I don't know, in a few months or so. <laughs>
Yamma, 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 vakidma. Oh, I love this song. It's a great song. It's brand new um, out there, and I'm very excited. I'm also, obviously, very excited about the trip to Israel. I know I said, uh, what date? I know the date. The date is March 13th. Um, we, we have plenty of time to prepare. However, we know that this trip has filled up and sold out months in advance. It's a, very, it's a hugely uh, popular trip to the land of Israel. It's a, a trip called the Land and Spirit Israel Experience. It's run by the JLI, the Jewish Learning Institute, and they do everything right. They have great programming. And Chabad of Milford joined with the JLI um, some eight years ago or so, 2014. This Israel experience, it's a trip, it's a journey of a lifetime that you don't want to miss. And Chabad is excited to join this trip VIP style. And we invite you, yes, everyone who's listening to the show, to join us on this amazing trip. It begins on March 13th. It goes till March 20th. It's an eight-day trip, fun-filled, and includes features that you will never find on a trip to Israel with any other kind. Now, some of you may have been to Israel before. Some of you may have been there many times. And some of you may have never been to Israel. No matter what, you haven't gone to Israel until you've gone on a JLI trip. We obviously get going to have world-class tour guides that will bring not just the rich history to life and discover our origins as a nation, as our homeland, but we'll also delve deeply into the current technological successes the, and, of course, the spiritual secrets of the land's holy sites. But here's something amazing that this trip has. We have a lot of people that join this trip, hundreds of people. You might think, oh, I don't want to go where, maybe I don't want to go there. I've been there already. I've, I've, I've been to Israel five times. I, I, I've, I've seen this site. I've seen that site. What's unique about this trip, or one of them, unique parts of the trip, is that you have a personalized and customizable itinerary. So whether it's your first time visiting Israel, or you visited many times before, your personal itinerary is uniquely designed with choices and the flexibility that you want. So if you've been to the, you know, Masada already three, four times, you may not want to go there again. You might want to check out, you know, some of the uh, technological advances that are being produced in the land of Israel. Yeah, don't catch me on that. Produced, invented, it's all there. On top of that, one of the, I think, really amazing things that we have is that our group gets to be addressed by some of the top leaders of Israel today. Some of the chief rabbis meet with us. We, find, we meet with leaders of the military you know, in Israel. Political and media leaders join us. You know, one morning we're sitting in Tzfat, we're having breakfast, and the mayor of Tzfat came in and, and, and met with us and talked to us. It was an amazing thing. And throughout our trip, whether it's top political leaders in the Knesset, or it's top military leaders, all meet with us in various different points throughout our trip. Of course, a trip with JLI is highlighted by a visit to the ancient and holy city of Hebron, also known as Hebron, as well as Keva Rachel, the burial place of our matriarch Rachel. And you know that in, our, in the lobby of the shul, of the Chabad house, we have a beautiful memorial board. And that memorial board, the painting, 
hand painting, 3D painting is a depiction of the tomb of our forefathers and, and our matriarchs and patriarchs in the city of Hebron. It's a very special place. And you don't often get a chance to go visit that. On top of that, with all the places that we're going to see and the people we're going to meet, the entire trip is a five-star trip. There's going to be concierge service from the moment you arrive. There's going to be first-class accommodation at five-star hotels, gourmet meals, wherever we go. And we're going to have the best Israel has to offer in entertainment and in education. So if you want to join us, go to our website, gotchabad.com, G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com. Click on the link, the banner on the front page. It'll take you to a page that gives you some information. Check through the FAQs. And if there's something that interests you, reach out to me, rabbi or call me, and we could talk about it. Or you can reach out to Bracha, who has been on this trip before, and she can tell you, um, about it, but one last thing I want to say, and then we'll move on, and that is, because a lot of people don't know much about it, we're going to have Israel evenings. We're going to do a few of them in the next couple of months, where you'll have the opportunity to come over, enjoy some falafel, and hear about the trip, ask questions. No commitment required. You just want to hear about it. You want to know, you get answers, answer questions answered you'll be able to join us. So look out for emails about the trip. Look out for emails about these Israel evenings we're going to do. And we look forward to to hopefully spending an amazing time in Israel together with you. You know, one day in the zoo, the zookeeper noticed that one of his gorillas was reading two books. He was reading the Bible, and he was reading Darwin's Origin of Species. He was a little surprised about this. He says to the, to the gorilla, why are you reading both of those books? He says, well, I just wanted to figure out if I was my brother's keeper or my keeper's brother. You know, what does it take to have faith? According to the dictionary, you need to be a little bit uh, detached from reality. Because if you look at the dictionary.com, this is how it defines faith. Strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on a spiritual apprehension rather than proof. So now it makes sense when, when someone does something that's entirely not rational, we say that he took a leap of faith. The word faith seems destined to live in the realm of no logic and wishful thinking. But is that truly so? I'd like to argue that having faith is actually very much connected to reality. And in fact, the more that we're in touch with reality the more faith we'll have. So yesterday we read the portion of Shlach. In it has the very famous story of the 12 spies that went to scout out the land of Israel. 
See, just before the Jews were about to enter the land of Israel, they left Egypt, they received the Torah, and now they're ready to go into the land of Israel. By the way, this is before they wandered for 40 years. They weren't supposed to wander for 40 years. They were supposed to go straight from receiving the Torah into the land of Israel. At that point, Moshe sent 12 spies to scout out the land. And they traveled undercover, looking around and uh, collecting data, figuring out the lifestyle and military capabilities of the people who were living there at that time, the Canaanites. When they came back with their report, 10 out of the 12 spies said it's a no-go. They spoke about the land being filled with strong people and with cities that were, that were impossible to conquer. They were very concerned about possible disease that was plaguing the land. And they concluded that going into Israel was not a good idea. And the rest is history. Do you know the rest of the story? I'm sure you do. The Jewish people got very upset and they ended up rebelling against Moshe. Then God declared that that generation was going to, well, they're going to stay in the desert for 40 years before going into the land of Israel. And that generation that complained and rebelled was going to die out in the desert before they got into the land of Israel. And lastly, the actual 10 spies who um, brought about this rebellion, they were punished immediately. But let's ask this question. And we talked a little bit about this on Shabbos during the amazing lunch that we had yesterday. Why? Why were they punished? After all, they didn't lie about their report. Their report was fairly accurate. They didn't include your fake news stories or inaccurate information. So they told the truth. And the truth wasn't that good. Didn't sound that rosy. Is that a reason for punishment? And the answer can actually be found with the two spies who did not take part in the rebellion. The names are Kalev and Yehoshua. You see, they went along as 12 spies. They saw the exact same facts that the other 10 spies saw, but they came to a completely different conclusion. They came with the conclusion, we can surely go up and take possession of the land. We can overcome it. That's what they said. They weren't saying what the other twelve spy, the other ten spies said that we can't go over to the land. They saw the same exact facts, and they came to the conclusion that we can go up to the land. They they said the land that we went to scout out is exceedingly good, and if God wants us to be able to go up there, we'll go up there and be able to come into the land flowing with milk and honey. And then Rashi adds another point that Kalev said. He said, one minute, we, 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 we're worried about what's going to happen? Didn't Moses split the sea for us? Didn't he bring down the mun for us? Whatever we needed was taken care of for us. Why are we all of a sudden so worried that we're not going to be able to go up 
to the land of Israel? Why are we so worried that we're not going to be able to do it? You see, facts don't change. But the stories that come with the facts makes all the difference. The 10 spies focused on the current challenges and they described them to the T. On the other hand, Kalev and Yeshua reminded them to look at the entire story. If their lives up to this point were filled with miracles, they saw the splitting of the sea. They saw the, the 10 plagues in Egypt. And if was, they had all those miracles till then, they could expect that they'll have more miracles coming their way. If they witnessed the loving hand of God every step since they left Egypt, they could be sure that He would not abandon them at this critical juncture of their lives. So essentially, Kalev was telling his colleagues, the other ten spies you guys claim to be practical to be realistic but the truth is you're the ones that are detached from reality because an honest review of everything that happened up to this point will lead anyone to a very simple conclusion we're going to be okay yes the Canaanites have a strong army. Yes, they have strong fortresses. And truth be told, Khaled might be saying to them, I don't know how we're going to win the battle. But I know that Moshe had performed incredible miracles up to this point. So I know he's a reliable leader and he's carrying out what God wants. You know, I heard a story from uh, Rabbi Josh Gordon. He told of a story that he was going, once going through a very challenging time in his life. And he wrote to the Rebbe about this difficulty that seemed insurmountable that he was facing. And he was desperate. He felt like there was no more hope and the situation had no way of improving. The Rebbe responded, I don't remember all the details of the letter, but the Rebbe responded by telling him that he should look at his life or review his life up until that point. And he said, haven't you experienced so many miracles till now? Your life has been filled with blessing. So surely you can trust that God will be with you now as well. And I believe that what the Rebbe wrote to him I, I, I want to make a correction there. If I'm not mistaken, when he told the story, he said he didn't write the letter, but rather his wife wrote this letter to the Rebbe with all the challenges that they were going through at that time. But I believe what the Rebbe said to her is true for all of us. We just need to spend some time thinking about it, contemplating, meditating on it. Think about the past challenges that although... They seemed insurmountable at the time. We somehow figured it out. We're here today after overcoming those amazing challenges. And then also we should think about the gifts that we have in our lives. 
oftentimes we get so used to the gifts in our lives that they we don't realize how big they are, how truly they are miracles. The gifts that we have coming to us day in, day out. I mean, we love to talk about the sun rising every day and and and, and amazing, we have homes, we have cars, we have... But think about every little thing. They're, 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 they're literally miracles that happen in our life. And just because they happen every day doesn't make them less of a miracle. So we need to think about how we've overcome the past challenges and we need to think about the amazing gifts, the miracles that we currently have in our lives. And when we do, faith will no longer be some far-fetched idea, but rather, faith will be a natural and logical conclusion to our daily lives. Here's a great song we haven't heard in a while. Eighth Days, Give It All You Got. They won't ask you were you wise like Solomon They won't ask you were you strong like Samson They'll ask just one question and you give just one answer It's the end of the game and only one thing matters They'll say, did you give it all you got? Cause in this life you only have what you got So give it, give it, give it all you got In this world we only have what we got So give it, give it, give it all you got If you say it's easy, I'll say it's not you Gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got And if you say it's not for you, I'll say it's your lot you Gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got And if you say you're tired, I'll say tick-tock you Gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got And you could put my album on a shelf to write just Give it, give it, give it, give it all you got Those tears, you look in the mirror, you face all your fears. Don't be a fool trying to be wise like Solomon. Only the weak try to be strong like Samson. Oh no, oh no. I did what I said, I got no one to blame. Only one thing matters at the end of the game. They'll say, Did you give it all you got? Cause in this life, you only have what you got. So give it, give it, give it all you got In this world we only have We only have what we got So give it, give it, give it all you got If you say it's easy, I'll say it's not you Gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got And if you say it's not for you, I'll say it's your lot you Gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got Say you're tired, I'll say tick-tock You gotta give it, give it, give it, give it all you got No need to put my album on the shelf to write Just show. give it, give it, give it, give it all you got The song is based on a, a uh, story told about Rebzusha of Anipoli that he was once lying, not once, he was lying on his 
deathbed. And he had his chassidim sitting around him. And he was crying. And his students said to him, we don't understand. Are you afraid of the world to come? I mean, you lived your life as a tzaddik, as a righteous person your entire life. Why would you be worried about what lies ahead? And he answered them that I'm not afraid that they're going to ask me how come I wasn't like Moses. Because I'm not Moses. They're not gonna, I'm not afraid that they're going to ask me why I wasn't like Abraham. Because I wasn't Abraham. But I am afraid they're going to ask me why weren't you like Zusha? Why didn't you live up to your potential that you should have lived up to in your life? You know, following on the theme of the 12 spies, Hasidus has an interesting explanation about what went on over there. You see, if you go back to the beginning of the Parsha, the Parsha is called Shlach, which means to send. But actually, the first two words of the Parsha is Shlach Lecha, the Hebrew word for the day, brought to you by the Armenians. Lecha, to you. Or really, you might say, send for yourself. Rashi explains that it's the first time where God tells the Jewish people, I'm not telling you what to do. You should do as you see fit. And this was a whole new reality. See, up until that point, Moshe carried out everything that God commanded him to do. He got an instruction, he fulfilled it faithfully. The case of the spies was the first time that God left the Jewish people's actions up to themselves. Do as you see fit. Don't do it because you were told. Decide for yourself if it needs to be done. And by doing so, God changed, made a whole paradigm shift. He changed and charged that generation not only with the responsibility of making their own decisions, but along with making decisions is also accepting the consequences. Now, for a nation that has just been freed from slavery, where they only did the things they were told and forced to do, this idea of doing it on your own and deciding for yourself was, was revolutionary. And that's what freedom is all about. But yet, they weren't ready to make their decisions and that ended up that they were left to wander for another 40 years in the desert. It was only until the next generation, their children, who faced that task. And that's why when we read the Haftorah yesterday, we find out something really interesting. After 40 years of the Jews wandering the desert, Joshua, Yehoshua, is now going to lead the Jewish people into the land of Israel. And surprisingly, he begins by sending out spies. <clears throat> you say, what? Wait, didn't you any, learn any lessons from the past? You don't remember sending out spies was so catastrophic that we ended up for 40 years wandering in the desert? Why did Joshua now send spies again? But in reality, Joshua realized at this point it was a new generation. It was a generation that was willing, and not just willing, but they were ready to accept the responsibility to distinguish between good and evil, to distinguish between right and wrong. Not by being told 
by above what to do, but using their own judgment. And so it was that they were granted to go into the land of Israel. And it's no easy task. Whenever you're making decisions, there's always the possibility and the risk of making the wrong decision, just like the original spies did. I remember the legendary Leon Mayle, who lived here in town. He was not just lived here in town, he was a pillar of the community here in town. He once walked in uh, to Chabad at a moment when I, 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 I realized a huge mistake that we've done. We printed a flyer and we sent it out and, and it had the wrong date on it. And this is besides the cost, the people are not going to know the right date. And I was, I was just lost. I was like, oh my gosh, what did we do? And he saw what was going on and he looked and he goes, you know something? The only people that don't make mistakes are the ones who don't do anything. And that's so true. It's so true that the only people who don't make mistakes are the ones that don't do anything. And that stayed with me. And oftentimes, we make decisions and we make mistakes, but we keep on going. History is filled with generals who are brilliant at carrying out orders. But as soon as they had to make their own decisions, they messed up. Our mission and responsibility are even greater than those of generals. We were tasked to bring light, justice, goodness into the world. We were tasked to bring about the revelation of Mashiach. And the decisions are ours. We need to make the best of our abilities and use out our abilities to make the right decisions. We may not always be right, and that's part of the way God designed the world. But rest assured that if we put in the right effort, and yes, we'll make some mistakes, nonetheless, God will be there on our side and helping us in the right direction. And then we're assured that we'll enter the land, we'll enter the land of Israel with the revelation of Mashiach now. So remember, you need to make a decision, a godly decision, just do it. I came across this amazing violinist. His name is Strulik Lefkowitz, who plays a song called Hop Kazak. Hop Kazak is a melody that's sung at a bris or Hasidic wedding and other festive occasions. It begins very slow and it builds and it increases the tempo as the song progresses. And I want to tell you the story behind this melody, Hopkazak. And I also have a, a good message for you as well. Rabbi Yaleib of Shpale, who was known as the Hasidic Rebbe, known as the Shpale Zayde. You know what a Zayde is? A Zayde is a grandfather. He was affectionately known as the Zayde of Shpale. His claim to fame and something he was loved to do was the mitzvah to travel around to various small towns and villages and do whatever possible to redeem Jewish captives. Why were these Jews in jail? Oftentimes, a Jew may have rented a, a place, property, an inn, a hotel, from a nobleman known for the Yiddish word as Poritz. The Yiddish word of the day brought to you by Kate's Financial Services. Poritz was a nobleman, a landowner of those days, and if they fell behind in their rent, they were thrown into the dungeon. 
Back then, these paritzes, these noblemen or landowners, were like like uh, government officials, and they and they can easily throw someone in prison for not paying their rent. So he would go around and try to get these poor Jewish souls redeemed from these dungeons. Once he came to a town, and he met a woman who was terribly distraught. Her husband leased the property from a local paritz, from a local nobleman. He'd fallen behind in his rent, and he was thrown into the dungeon of the nobleman. To make matters much worse, this nobleman was famous for this very cruel and unusual custom. Each year, at his birthday, he would invite all his friends to a grand old party, and they would drink themselves silly. And as the main feature of entertainment, he would order up whichever prisoner he had sitting in his, in his um, dungeon at that time, he would have him put or dress into this heavy beerskin costume and he would enter into a dance competition with a trained Cossack. Not just a trained, he was a trained dancer. He was a Cossack with a trained dancer. And the winner of the dance would have the right to chop off the loser's head or whip him with lashes. This was obviously a rigged dance because everyone knew that the well-fed, trained Kozak would easily win against some poor, impoverished, imprisoned, hungry Jew who on top of everything else was now handicapped by the heavy, clumsy beer costume that he was forced to wear. You know, if you think about, if you want to know what kind of dance it was, think about the Russian dance you may have seen in the bar scene on Fiddler on the Roof. And they would often sing this to a Kazatska dance, you know, where you, where you squat down and you kick your feet. You, you know what I'm talking about? You remember, go, if you need to, you got to go, go back and watch Fiddler on the Roof. So to do that, you would have to have loads of coordination. And beer costumes, heavy beer costumes, was the worst thing to have coordination. But that was this nobleman's, this Poritz's custom. The notorious birthday was fast approaching and this distraught woman was terrified that her husband was going to be the one that is going to have to dance in the bear costume and the fate that obviously was going to come to him. So the Shpol Zeta found a way to switch places with this imprisoned Jew. He went and bribed the guard, and the guard didn't care. As long as there was going to be an imprisoned Jew who was going to be able to dance the bear dance, the Kazakh dance, it didn't matter. Either, ma- either way, the man went home to his wife and family, and the Shpolizeda was in prison, and came, it, it came the night of the birthday. He was taken from the prison, he was dressed in the heavy bear costume and he was brought out to dance against the trained Kazakh dancer to the cheers of a drunken group of Kazakhs. But this time, things didn't turn out the way they expected. Despite having this heavy, clumsy, ill-fitted costume, the bear kept dancing and stepped. And after a while, the drunken Kazakh, even though he was a professional, began faltering. But the bear didn't stop. 
So what was laughter turned into gasps as the Kazakh dancer couldn't keep up. Soon, the arrogant Kazakh was literally pleading for his life from this Jew in the bear costume who won the dance-off. And the Shpola said, no worries, I'll pardon you. I won't kill you. But here's the deal. You have to pay up the debt and pay up an extra year's lease ahead. So Hop Kazak, this tune that we're going to play now, was the song, the melody that was played for the beer dance. And it has since become and been transformed into a Hasidic nigun, a Hasidic melody. The basic message of the story is the Shpalazeda's tremendous misiras nefesh, personal self-sacrifice in order to help a fellow Jew. He literally put his life on the line for someone else. But there's also another message, a contemporary message, being that there's not many Cossacks uh, in our neighborhood and we can't put our life on the line to sa- save someone uh, withering away in a dungeon of a Kazakh here. But here's another message. And that is, we all wear some sort of beer costume. If you think of those things in life which weigh us down, they limit us, they inhibit us, they make us clumsy and they make us awkward. Every single one of us has a beer costume to one degree or another. In one area of life or another. So how do we deal with this beer costume? The answer is dance. Tance. Yiddish. Tance. Dance. Outdance the Kozak. Don't let the beer costume keep us down and hold us back. To survive, we must thrive with joy, with energy, with vitality, and with Yiddish warmkeit, Jewish warmth. Enjoy the song. Get up and dance. And remember, as I said before, you can do it.
I'm out of breath. That was a great song. And, and he, he's a, a fascinating violinist. And I'm very happy that um, my sister sent me this link. And I can share it uh, with you. So a few important things you got to know. Um, I, I, I want to offer you a date. You want a date? Not the one you eat. Not even the one you go on. But a date in the calendar. That's right. Every year we produce this beautiful art calendar that gets mailed to thousands of homes in our neighborhood, including your house. Your house, offices, everyone gets it. It's a calendar that everyone looks forward to. And in the calendar, um, we have opportunities for you to place your family's life cycle events, like birthdays, yard sites, anniversaries. Um, you can advertise a business, like with a business card. You can also just put a, a, a message to the community by um, putting in an, a, an announcement in one of the business card spots. You can also add your, add your name to the New Year greeting page. Either way, however you take part in this, it's your way of helping us produce this amazing calendar so that we can mail it to the thousands of homes. It, it's a huge undertaking financially for us, and it's through your participation in the calendar, whether it's your ads, your birthdays, your yard sites, you're somebody say, you might say, eh, I don't know, do I need to put in this yard site or that birthday? Just think of it this way. For every birthday and yard site that you put in, we're able to send the calendar to a few more people in our community. So if you want to help us get this out there, go to our website, gachabad.com, and on the front page, you'll see a banner where it says, get a date, and you can get a date. I also want to remind you, Chabad Hebrew School is one of those things which if you don't put your kid in there, you might be, you know, question, did you not love me? Every child needs an education that Chabad Hebrew School provides. Rocky puts together an amazing program that's the best out there. The kids actually enjoy. Do you remember going to Hebrew school? Did you enjoy going to Hebrew school? Kids going to Chabad Hebrew school actually enjoy going. It's fun. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. They actually enjoy having, studying about their traditions. You know, Friday night, Rachi invited a whole group of families that were part of the Hebrew school. And they were so excited to take part in a Shabbos. And they knew what it was all about just from learning about in Hebrew school. And it was a real excitement to them. If you want your children or grandchildren to have that excitement about their Yiddishkeit, go to our website, gachabad.com again. And on the top banner, click on Hebrew school to find out more about it and to register your children or grandchildren for this amazing program that will begin before the high holidays. And again, I want to remind you about that trip to Israel. You don't want to miss it. It's a trip of a lifetime. Go to our website and uh, register, reserve, or at least, very least send me an email so I can send you more information about the trip. And finally, I want to tell you something that happens every single Shabbos. And that is every Shabbos at 10 a.m., we get together for amazing services. The community comes together. We daven together. We sing together. It's a very enjoyable time. You don't have to pay to join us. You don't have to be a member of anything to be part of it. You just have to come and take part. And during the service, we have two programs that take place um, simultaneously. And that is that at about 11.15 each Saturday morning, we have a women's weekly Torah discussion. And they go to the schlounge or onto the patio, depending on the weather, and discuss a certain topic Kabbalistically from the Torah portion of that week. And also each Shabbos, we have a kid's Shabbos service and lunch. 
And that starts at 12 p.m. each Shabbos. And if you want your children or grandchildren to take part, you must email Rachi before Shabbos. Uh, the email is in our weekly email that I send out, rachi at gatchabad.com, and then you can take part in that amazing program as well. Again, I want to apologize that we uh, started late today. Um, it was beyond my control. But uh, now that we got everything working, I'm happy that it worked out well. And I want to thank you for being here with us every single Sunday, taking part in Sunday Shmooze. Until next week, remember, your next deed will change the world. So make it a good one. Lechayim! You've been listening to Sunday Schmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. For more information on the Chabad House, including upcoming events, adult programs, Hebrew school, and more, visit gotchabad.com. That's G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com. Shalom. Have a lovely night, no, 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 no,